Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world, with the most candid interviews. We did it, we did it together, and uh, it's just so exciting for me to just be a part of this with them, with all the 11 other players. It's truly an experience that I will cherish forever. Taking you beyond the ropes. Whatever you think is possible for you, or, or even what's not possible, you know, beyond your wildest dreams, go for it. You know, just go for it and think big and believe in yourself and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything. Unforgettable stories. He's hit some putts with it, so he gets his phone out and he just takes a picture of the grip and down the putter and doesn't say anything and he just pings it to Tiger. And of course, Tiger pinged him right back like, what in the hell are you doing with my putter? Do not <laughs> touch that putter. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose it's just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome to a Wednesday on the Fairways of Life show from wherever around this globe you're joining us today. Pumped for today's show because you're going to hear Tiger in a lot of Tiger back at the Genesis Invitational Stout Field such as it is. So coming up in the program in just a few minutes, we're going to go full on, full blast Tiger Woods. So you can hear him talk about a lot of different things, a lot of interesting things, including being pressed on the whole distance issue, which really, remember, he's one of the poster boys that people use to say, well, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, they're all talking about the necessity of shortening the game, right? And I always put the caveat on there and say, well, I hope they're talking about shortening the game at the professional level, which if that's what they're talking about, obviously they have every right to talk about that. That's their part of the world. But the rest of the world is struggling with the game of golf and with distance. And it's very interesting that now that this distance report is out, sides seemingly are starting to align. And I think... They, they, the report calls it recreational golfers. That's basically 99.99%. And I think what's happening is that unlike with the, with the anchoring ban, is that the so-called recreational golfers, to use that definition, are realizing, whoa, if we don't say something or get involved, they're talking about potentially impacting the distance that the equipment is capable of because of the offense, if that the that the best in the world are hitting the ball, nobody's complaining about what's going on at at the again recreational golfer level. The average drive is two hundred nine yards, two hundred nine. That's according to Game Golf, who has millions and millions of rounds in their database. It's exact. I did notice in the in the report they gave a range from like 180 yards to 240 yards, I can tell you that everybody above the number I just gave you, 209, is a very, very small percentage of the total. So I just thought it was it, and you're going to hear this coming up, where he gets asked about it, and what's happening is that the professional players, if you've noticed this, and not all of them, but by and large, they're starting to feel somewhat offended that they're being blamed just for being as good as they are. And there are a lot of reasons why they are as good as what they are. Yes, equipment is one of them. I'm not denying that. Fitness, conditioning, training, 
TrackMan spin rates, all of these things go into where we're at with the distance. Now, bear in mind, this is coming from me who said on Morning Drive, and I believe it, that I think what the governing bodies are trying to do is not restrict recreational golfers of their current distance. I don't believe that's what's happening. The equipment right now is the best it's ever been, ever, in the history of the game, right now. And I do not believe that their intent is to say, uh, you know, everyone's worried about and offended by the prospect of this rollback. That's what's happening. People are starting to go, whoa, what are you talking about? Rollback? To what? And and then they start to debate what era the rollback's going to go to. The governing bodies right now are not talking about rolling back your equipment. That's not what they're saying. Now, they're not saying that there isn't the possibility that it could be impacted by equipment restrictions in the future, but none of them are flat out saying right now, no, the whole game needs needs to roll back. That's that has it is not what's being said right now. And that's a, a, a significant departure from where they were when they came out the report a couple years ago, where not only did it did it not say that they were considering a local rule or any designation between the best of the best and the rest, they flat out said that they have no intention to have a different set of rules for any golfer by any definition. Right. And I can remember having the debate on Golf Channel about that when this report came out and I was attacked from all sides and I was like, whoa, whoa, it's in their reports. So in in fairness to to golf's governing bodies, they came out with it this time and on multiple levels, it's clear that they're acknowledging that there are two vastly different worlds. And for That 209 yards that I was explaining to you, which is the average driving distance, once you get to over 50, over 60 plus, again, now you're talking about the core demographic of of the game. Once you get to over 10, 12, 15 handicaps, and again, you're talking about the, the core of those, most of those who have handicaps, that driving distance drops off remarkably fast. I remember a few years ago, Frank Thomas did a study, and he found the majority, because he defined it differently by actually the majority, was around 190 yards. Think about that. And I absolutely, I'd be lying to you if I didn't believe that when this the subject first came up, that I think golf's governing bodies was like, yep, this is how we do things. We, uh, we set a rule out there, and you guys live by it. Even though the horse got out of the barn to begin with, with with how much equipment was allowed to progress, so I don't begrudge anybody for doing it. No one. I'm as excited about everybody else as when new equipment comes out. So now I, th- I think their intent was to say, you know, we're gonna, we, need to, we need to slow everything down here, and the slowdown would have been universal. And I think after what I really believe the anchoring ban had a lot to do with it. There was a lot of people that were grumbling about how that was handled. I think how the the modernization of the rules was handled, to their credit, it was inclusive. And I think they realized, you know what, the the rank and file, the recreational golfer, the people who pay and fund this game, they want to be heard. They want to be part of the, the process. And when it when it came to this, after they put out that report and things started to sneak out, the first and loudest voices that you heard a few years back were those that were gun ho on, yeah, let's do this. 
And it always makes me shake my head because I'm like, there's this constituency out there who apparently think that tour players are guilty of being tour players. They are absolutely the best in the world at what they do. Now, the fact that we happen to know and love and share a passion for a sport where in some cases we're as involved in the sport, I'm talking about in, in terms of playing it and buying equipment and you know being a member of a club or being a member of a league or hanging out at a golf course or whatever it is, whereas, whereas in, in passion in our life, however you define that around the game, as people who play it professionally, what other sport has that? You can find pockets of it when you're talking about, say, baseball or basketball or football. If maybe you play in high school or in college or on a club team or maybe you're a coach, sure, you could you could make the argument, and I would agree with you, that you're as immensely and immersive in, in that particular sport as anybody that plays it at the top-tier level. But I think because golf is a sport that we're all out there doing to, to various degrees, and the more you get into the core of the game, the more frequency that they have, these people are measuring themselves against the best of the best. It's not a separate world in that regard. It's totally a separate world in terms of performance. So I do think that the governing bodies realized, wow, we got a lot of pushback. It took a while to happen because I told you the first people that came out were all the pom-pom waivers. Yay, this is what we have to do right now. And I found it interesting that many of those people that were on that side of the game were pretty darn good players themselves. So, wow, yeah, they would have been impacted by a rollback if it was universal. They wouldn't be impacted as much as the great unwash, who would very quickly be well under 200 yards. And, you know, all this talk about playing shorter golf courses, and it's better on shorter golf courses, the golf course wouldn't be, quote, rabbit ears in the air, shorter even if you play it a, a, a less, a shorter total distance, the golf course wouldn't play shorter if effectively you were hitting it a shorter distance. It would The challenge would be the exact same. You'd still have people coming into par fours with three woods. So again, I'm talking about a couple of years ago. So they come out with a report this time, and to their credit, which is why I, I believe in what they're doing this time around. I mentioned this to Dom last Friday. I think that they're trying to put themselves in the position of 50 years from now looking backwards. If, if they don't do something 50 years from now, they're going to look backwards. And based upon the incremental gains, it's not dramatic. I mean, everyone tries to make it out like there's, there's this huge, massive gains. It's not. It's bits and pieces. I'm now I'm talking about the top tier. And again, I think anytime, every time this gets mentioned, it should be defined. What are you talking about? Who are you talking about? Well, right now I'm talking about the best of the best, tour players. And based upon the incremental gains, 50 years from now, the average drive will go from just outside of 300 yards to 350 yards, average. Now, if you take the differential between the best in the world, and the rest of the world, then you're talking about 70-ish yards, a little over 70 yards, 70, 80 yards. Okay, we'll do the math. 
That means that the average drive of the, the recreational golf, to use their, their terminology, you're talking about somewhere in the vicinity of 270 yards. Right now, you're going to generally, not always, but generally hit a driver about 14 times. Maybe a, maybe a hole short and you're going to hit a, an iron or a three-wood off it, so at least 13 times. Right? Do the math. If you've got landlocked golf courses surrounded by developments or whatever it is, great courses. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, stuff like you're, you're willing to toss away in the wash. I'm saying like, you know, say a Donald Ross course or something. Do the math. Take 270 yards times 13 times that you're going to do it. And see what you have left over in terms of yardage that you can then divide by those 18 holes for approach shots. And you're going to find out, even at the recreational level, you're talking about sand wedges on most holes coming in. It is a real and dramatic change going on that direction. And it says nothing for what's going on at the professional level. But again, the professional level is a totally different world. Everyone talks about the nearly 17,000 golf courses in the United States and about they look at these distances and they go, they're going to obsolete all these golf courses. They don't play all those golf courses. They play 48 courses. And a greater and greater percentage of those courses are TPC courses that are owned by the tour. The tour can and will do whatever they want with their courses. Everyone talks about an 8,000-yard golf course like it's, you know, crossing the sound barrier, and it's horrific. You've got courses that are 7,500, 7,600 right now. So if the best in the world need to play a golf course at whatever that distance is in order to make it challenging and to use more clubs in the bag, it's okay by me. That's their world. So what you're noticing, this is what I was getting at with all this stuff with Tiger, is that more and more of the tour players are starting to come out and go, you know what, wait a minute. You come out with a new report. They didn't like it with the last one either, incidentally. But you come out with a new report. You basically say, okay, we acknowledge that the recreational golfer is distance challenged. And we're not going to take away, we're not going to roll back what you guys play. We're not going to take away your technology. You're already distance challenged. How can we try to grow the game by saying people, hey, come on into this game. It's great, but we're going to make it harder. Right? So... For right now, even though the recreational golfers are still pushing up this, pushing against this fence, because as good a job as as the governing bodies did in putting this report together, I don't think they've done a great job with their message points as yet. In fairness, and so uh, if you go on any social media, everyone's debating about you know this rollback and to what period it's going to be rolled back, and, and I'm looking at that going, no one's saying that. These guys are not saying what you guys are debating about and offended by. If there was a bottom line message to what I read, it is that they want to stop the progression of distance, growing distance. Okay. Well, the equipment you have right now is the best that it's ever been. It's very, very good. 
And when utilized, and maybe it, it takes custom fitting, yes, it may take some lessons, God forbid. But doing these things, regardless of age and, and, and slowing to club head speed and, and swing speed and all that, I get it. You can play better using this equipment than you ever have before. And again, using the same variables. I was just talking about the outline of what they do at the, the top tier of the game. Well, if it works for the best of the best, it's going to work for everybody. Yeah, I am talking about training and coaching and fitting and all the rest that goes with it. Why not? It's there for you. You're going to spend the money, and which is distinctive because this recreational golfer group that finally is, is I think, being a voice that's being heard and going, whoa, 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 <laughs> pump the brakes. Because in the past, I think they were just considered, uh, yeah, let them eat cake. Don't We're not worried about what their opinion is. That, 90, that 99.99% is who pays for the game. Game doesn't exist without that group. So I just think that my sense is with Tiger, who has in the past talked about the game being too long and all the rest, getting too long. Now all of a sudden it seems like a hedge. And the reason why I think it seems like a hedge, this is my this is my wild guess, is because I think that tour players and a variety of different fronts, but in this one as well, are starting to kind of feel like any anything wrong with the game, you guys are blaming on us. All this concentration on the slow play and all the rest. Are you telling me there's not a slow play problem at whatever golf course you go to anywhere from anyone that's playing? and probably a lot more acutely. But it's the fault of the tour play. And all this stuff is starting, I think they're starting to get, they're starting to lose some patience of why is it always us? Why are, you know, I get it. They're the top tier and everyone looks at them and, and all the rest. But, the you know, Kevin Nas' pace of play or whoever it was that was being criticized, J.B. Holmes, Bryson DeChambeau, how much did it really affect you? Right? I'm not saying that they shouldn't do something for their pace of play and put in these new rules and all the rest, because I think it was unfair to all the competitors when one player slowed down the rest field. But I'm talking about in terms of how it really impacted you. Television wouldn't go to these people to the last minute. I get PGA Tour Live, when you follow a group like that, maybe they might have lingered on somebody longer if they didn't have some other place to go, but they're good about switching around. So I, my sense is, is that I just sense a little bit of the circling of the wagons here. So that's what's going to be really interesting about this, because I've said this on television, and I believe it, that the most important voice in this conversation will end up being the PGA Tour. I think the PGA Tour is going to have a huge influence on it. And it's going to be an interesting dynamic because from the inside word that I'm hearing, it's the RNA that's that's driving the the concept of this is this is something we are going to do. This is going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's a question of how. And they're also the ones that I hear that are that are behind this idea of there there will not be a defined different set of rules from one party to another. Because you've got to find this this mixing of personalities. You've got these two different governing bodies. The by vast vast majority, the largest golf market in the world is the United States. But the RNA 
effectively controls the rest of the world. Not entirely, but nearly. So it's fascinating. And so in the comments from Tiger that you're going to hear here in just a couple of minutes, and then we're going to have Carney on the show as well. Dom told me we're going to probably get to Carney first, but it's, it's fascinating to me that players are starting to comment on it. And a lot of players are starting to go, um, scoring average hasn't changed all that much. You know, it's still about the guy that gets in the hole. I know I don't buy the, the Phil stuff. This, you know, it's not, it, it just, it, Phil is always a, just a, a series of, of contradictions where he represents the equipment. He mixes into his vernacular about hitting bombs, all the stuff and the promotion of a, of a new driver coming out from his equipment company he represents. I get it. That's how that business works. That's cool. And then he says, well, I really don't think it's equipment. You're taking it away from better athletes. That's true, but only partially true. It absolutely is the equipment. Entirely? No. Important element? Absolutely, yes. You have to be able to hit it at least over 108 miles per hour, and if you do over 110, you can fully utilize the technology that's built in this equipment. Clubs and balls. So... From Phil's perspective, are they better athletes? Uh, yeah, he is now than he has been for a lot of years. He was always a big guy, but wasn't like he was some ripped athlete. But he was an athlete, nonetheless. I'm not taking it away from him. He's just a better one now, I think, at nearly 50 years old than what he's been the last few years, at least. But to suggest that, you know, Bryson getting stronger or anything else is just is the reason why players are hitting it so much better by and large are they better athletes than they've ever been yes by and large yes ever by comparison are they are they better athletes than anyone that ever played the game before stranahan glasson there's a lot of really strong guys that were great you know strong big muscular people that played this game over the years that didn't have the same level of performance some cases, they, they even did. I mean, Jack Nicklaus in 1963 had that longest drive. Remember, the PGA keeps a money clip. It's like 356 yards. He drove through the green in 1970 at, at the old course on 18, using old equipment and a marshmallow ball. So he could do it. Did Jack benefit from being one of the longest players in the game? Absolutely he did. Length is still going to be an asset no matter what happens. No matter what they do at that level, no matter what happens, if you're long now, you're going to still be the longest then. That's another misconception that I think is is one of these issues that I'm talking about in terms of message points. They're not talking about making everyone the same length. They can't do that. So whatever they do, wherever they go, you're still, if you're long now, by whatever percentage, you're long then. So I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how all this plays out. And I don't I don't think it's going to be a quick resolution or decision. I think when it comes to equipment standards, that's where I think they're going to have their impact because they can they can tighten the standards. And by tightening the standards, 
they can effectively start to slow down the game. Now, one thing that's fascinating about that is word I'm getting is, is that they already have a universal golf ball. By the way, BenHoganGolf.com, log on there, and you can see all their great golf equipment that incorporates all of this great technology now and has the name Ben Hogan on the clubs. It's perfect. It's not going through retail stores. You're saving 40%, 50% retail markup. It's a direct relationship between you and them. Trade in your old ones, finance your new ones, whatever you want to do. BenHoganGolf.com. So the word I'm getting on this universal ball, I first have to back up and tell you a little bit about the physics of how a golf ball works, which you, you probably fully already understand. It's a rubber sphere of different layers and technologies. But it's rubber. So when you have the collision between a club and a golf ball, let's talk about a driver, it's a violent interaction. And when that happens, that rubber sphere deforms. It ricochets off that face, and it's only allowed to come off that face at a percentage of the inbound speed in accordance with golf's rules. And that ball, through what's called velocity, will rocket back physics into its original form. If you have a swing speed that's over 110 miles an hour, then you can play the golf balls with the hardest core. Think Rory, DJ, Tiger, right? Players that have the strength and speed to compress that golf ball, and that lends itself to ball speed. Combination of those things, right? So, and then the, the cover is a different matter entirely because what happens with the cover is they have, a, they have a layer inside of the cover. Covers are soft. And they have a layer inside that cover. That's generally hard. Er. So that when you compress the ball with the driver, that ball severely deforms. As it rockets back to its original form, Ball's on its way with, it's going to still have spin. Everyone talks about no spin. It's going to, it has spin. It just doesn't have as much spin if you're around the green. Reason being is when you're around the green, say you're using a higher lofted club, the ball is not going to compress to the degree that it did, where that core squishes as if it's hitting with the driver. So as a result, that harder mantle layer is pushing that soft cover, so you, say urethane, into the grooves of your higher lofted club, and it's why you get bite around the green from a ball that seemingly has the ability to, to work its way, knuckleball its way through the, through the air without the detriments of too much spin. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the word that I'm getting is, is that they already have a golf ball that's developed where if you're the best of the best, what do you need? You need a golf ball with a hard core. Because if the core is not hard, which gives you tremendous pop and tremendous velocity and as a result, tremendous distance in combination with the whole symphony of other attributes, talents, and technology that you're utilizing for the best in the world. But as that ball compresses, it rockets back to its form. So think about this for a second. If you're a recreational golfer and you do not have that speed, and recreational golfers don't, 
then you need a softer core so it's easier for you to slam your driver into that rubber sphere and to squish the core so that velocity and physics bring it back to its original form and you get more pop than you would get, say, if you were trying to hit that harder core ball. Follow me? Is this making sense? So as a result, the word that I'm hearing is is that there's, there's work being done on a golf ball that would be a universal competitive golf ball that actually has a core that's softer, meaning that it's going to help those with slower club head speed and it's going to slow down those with higher club head speed because they're going to over-deform it. Follow me? Think about that from, from a physics standpoint. It's pretty fascinating. And the whole thing that popped that in my mind is when I use that term, a marshmallow ball with Jack Nicklaus, who was capable of hitting it incredible distances back in the day. It is something. It is fascinating. And I want you guys to be fascinated about all this equipment as well. And I want you guys to be engaged in this conversation. And I want you to understand, not my opinion, what is yours. Get the information. Go to USGA.org. Stay involved. Study. Read. Be careful about the opinions that you're seeing out there because a lot of people are jumping to conclusions and then taking offense or defensive positions based upon presumption instead of real facts. You two can also get real facts about what Bridgestone is doing. They've reinvented the golf ball, more power, more control, more feel, more spin. They feature the all-new reactive urethane cover. Until now, you had to choose distance or spin or spin or distance. Not anymore. Bridgestone's new revolutionary reactive cover technology is available to you now. Log on to BridgestoneGolf.com today. To find the right golf ball for your game, I can tell you it's the 14th of February when these will be out in the marketplace. Don was giving them away and drew it down at uh, Streamsong last week, and everybody was loving them. When we come back, let's find out some more about what's going on at Riviera this week, what the thoughts are. Tiger Woods still coming up in the Fairways of Life show on this Wednesday. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, La Hinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. It screams, it tracks, it's soft, it reacts, it is the all-new Tour B, with a game-changing reactive cover, designed to spring faster off your driver, and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B, the Tour Ball, reinvented. FootJoy, the number one outbrand in golf, ensures that you can make every day playable with performance gear to handle any weather condition. All FootJoy products are designed to provide the best golfing experience regardless of the conditions. Every piece of FootJoy gear goes through years of testing and validation to ensure the ultimate in golf performance. Trust the brand that has been number one forever. Learn how you can make every day playable at FootJoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there is something for everyone. 
from Kids Fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Your game deserves the best of technology. Your game deserves being custom fit for the clubs that you play. Your game deserves getting the best technology at the best value. Tour Edge has it all. They build the product in the United States. They back it by a lifetime warranty. Think about that for a second. TourEdge.com to check them out. Why do you think players at the PGA Tour Champions have checked them out of the likes of Scott McCarron and Tom Lehman? Because the technology works. Check out Tour Edge today. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Wednesday. Maddie here with you. Dom is behind the glass. This week it is the Genesis Invitational. Tiger addressed the media yesterday. You're going to hear tigers press conference in just a few minutes and as you know you guys can always log on to the fairways of life platforms and hear all of the press conferences we have agreements with the pga tour and the european tour and the lpga because uh, believe it or not where we used to be they used to not allow us to play full press conferences i i don't know why i think it was to monetize it so they i don't know why i just but i totally disagreed with the philosophy so as soon as we set this up we made these agreements with the different tours so that you guys can hear the players speak uninterrupted and in their entirety however whenever wherever around the world that you are consuming the program so all that stuff is already posted tigers is up there in its entirety right now if you want to hear that as well so this week is one of those weeks you know we do a lot of focus on obviously the big events the from the players to the majors to to the fedex cup playoffs and all the rest World Golf Championships tend to be the next tier. And then you, then you go, wait a minute. There are events on the PGA Tour that, for their own reason, are unique and have their own place. And I would dare say last week at, at Pebble was one of them. Because what happens at Pebble Beach, whether you like the celebrities or don't like them, whatever, being part of it, uh, it's all it's part of what makes that event as unique as it is. And it's been doing it for a very long time. Waste Management Phoenix Open. Definitely has its own identity. And week in and week out, these tour events have that. Well, some of these events become really special. Say the Memorial or the Arnold Palmer Invitational or this week, this year for the first time as an Invitational at the Genesis. I think about like, you know, Wachovia, whatever. There's regular 
tour events that have a different level of in, in a different stature in the player's mind. Say that again, Dom. I just heard you saying so. Wells Fargo, yeah. That's the new name. It's not even that new, but that is the name. And these events have stature because the players give it stature because it's important to them and they like it. Venue definitely has something to do with it. Now, in this case, the fact that it's an invitational has a lot to do with it. Patrick Cantlay, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, last week's winner Nick Taylor, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, Tiger Woods, J.B. Holmes. They're all in the field. This is a stout field. I just gave you a piece of who's there. So to talk about that and more and how, how and why this is so special and all the nuance that goes along with it, absolutely delighted whenever we get an opportunity to speak with our friend Mark Carnavale. He's a 1992 Arnold Palmer Award recipient, that for Rookie of the Year. Carney, how are you? Doing great, Matty. It's been a while. Hope all's good. Yeah, it is. Thank you very much. You've, you've had uh, quite a run. You were, you were on the road for a while. <laughs> I have been. Uh, I worked uh, the first two events in Hawaii, then I was in the studio for PJ Tour Live for American Express. I had the week of Farmers Off, then I was on site for radio at Waste Management, and then I was on site at uh, Pebble for PJ Tour Live, and uh, tomorrow I'll will be the analyst for uh, the Genesis Invitational. So it has been busy, <laughs> the best, awesome. but that's that, good. It is good. We We love that. So... To this, I was opening up the segment here talking about how there are events on the PGA Tour that for a whole variety of reasons, they're big and they're important. And it's not because someone else is telling us they're important. It's because we know they're important because they're important to the players. How would you define the same and why is it if if you agree that this genesis is one of those? Well, I think without question because... Uh, when you look at uh, events like this, you look at the Memorial Tournament, uh, and you look at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, and now the Genesis. Obviously, the Memorial Tournament linked to Jack Nicklaus, the Arnold Palmer Invitational linked to Arnold, and now uh, this event, the Genesis Invitational, linked to Tiger Woods. Uh, you know, those are three players that have uh, certainly uh, created uh, something in this game that uh, without them, it wouldn't be there. And I think uh, you mentioned Wells Fargo, absolutely, uh, an event like that. I mean, you know, you could you could go to a large extent and say maybe the uh, uh, Charles uh, Schwab Challenge uh, at uh, Colonial in uh, Fort Worth. Uh, it's special because not only have these been, events been around a long time, but there's a lot more meaning to them and history behind them uh, than just, uh, you know, just the titles of the event. So I, I think it creates something, but then – uh, more importantly, Maddie, I think what uh, sort of uh, qualifies it uh, are the fields that you have in those events. And that, <laughs> uh, to me, that's what sends it over the top. All right, let's talk about being over the top. The field this week, I was reading just a partial list of luminaries that are going to be there. It, I mean, we're we're a day away. We're on the eve of the start of the tournament. I'm fired up as a fan just because th- there's so many big names playing, and, and these featured groups even are fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, you can watch a lot of those featured groups on uh, PJ Tour Live. I want to give them a little plug here, but sure. you can listen to it on uh, 
PJ Tour Radio, and it'll be on Golf Channel. And I mean, it's just it is. And uh, and I don't know. I mean, we're we're only really in the the second sort of uh, foray into the new schedule. So I think part of it is that uh, you've got a World Golf Championship next week. So I think that contributes to the fact of a good field here this week. Uh, it, it, it's pretty special, and you've, you've, you cover this game. I do. Certainly your listeners and, and people that follow the game understand uh, golf not only is about uh, the top-name players, but it's about the quality uh, of the golf course, the quality of the field uh, in general. And uh, this, this event fits the bill without question. And when you play it at an historic venue uh, like Riviera Country Club, uh, it just kind of makes it even that much better. What is it like, Carney, at that historic venue at the Riviera Country Club from from tee to green, from one through eighteen? What's the experience like? It, it creates. It, it's. It was one of the first courses, and I was the first time I played it. The first round, I think I shot sixty six. <laughs> and uh, it, it's the kind of golf course that it's old. It's in a in a lot of ways, it's old school. It requires you really uh, to hit every club in your bag. It requires precise uh, accuracy. It does require length uh, at times. Uh, you've got challenging green complexes. But quite frankly, it requires a great imagination, I think, uh, of how to maneuver your way and how to manage your way around the golf course. Uh, because if you sort of get out of sync a little bit, uh, you, can really, you can really struggle there. So it's, it's ultimately about controlling your golf ball uh, and being able to put the ball in the right spots. And it just requires you to be on. It's not one where you're just going to be able to bomb it and find it and play it from there because uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, things on the outside of the golf course, outside of the fairways, that really can create some some problems for players. And as I said, it's about positioning. It's about uh, controlling the golf ball. And uh, it's just uh, it, it's a great golf course. It's one that if you're on tour, you want to play and, uh, you know, I was fortunate to play it my first year and, uh, you know, played it a few times. And just, uh, just the history of it with Ben Hogan and, and certainly when you look at, uh, you know, the events that this place has held, uh, it's pretty special. If you had to define, Carney, say a couple of storylines coming into the start of play tomorrow at this point sitting on this Wednesday prior, what would those storylines be for this week? Well, I think without question, it's you've got uh, Rory and uh, and Brooks playing for the first time in this part of the schedule as we as we moved into 2020. Uh, you've got some of the other players that are in the top world rankings that you know haven't you know have been playing over in Europe but haven't played here yet. Will be there, Tiger. You know, making his uh, second appearance uh, on the on the tour this again this part of the schedule in the 2020, uh, and it's the lead up. Uh, obviously, to the first big event, uh, the players, which is a little over a month uh, from now, uh, and I think that uh, it's there's this buildup, and we're going to continue that. So this really starts it uh, for a lot of the top ranked players, and it's it's going to be a long and and tiresome run uh, as we go through uh, the Open Championship. We have the Olympics this year, and then it's just going to fly by. Now it's like it's almost. You know, I mean, obviously, most fans of golf believe the Masters kind of starts the golf season. Well, this is, uh, even though we've had, uh, and I'm, I can't remember the, the number of events, we had 11 
So that's 13, that's uh, 15, 17. This is, I think, the 18th event of the season, almost you know, at least a quarter of the way through and maybe even almost a third of the way through. So uh, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, pedal to the metal from here on out. And uh, after experiencing the year last year, it's going to be interesting to see how, again, you know, it, we focus on the top-name players uh, because that seems to what draws a lot of, of fans to the game. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, they've adjusted their schedule now the second time around. Is it going to be different? Uh, we know that a year ago, Rory... Uh, changed his schedule uh, to uh, he didn't want to go to Florida, you know, kind of behind the eight ball and the fact that he was well down the list of FedEx Cup points. So now, obviously, you know, he, he's won already uh, this season, uh, but, uh, you know, he's not gonna, he's, he's not in that position. But I think it's good that we get these guys going quickly. You mentioned Rory a couple of times. You even mentioned the first time uh, tethered to Brooks Kepka and that piece of the storyline that Rory McIlroy and, and Brooks, Rory's now back to world number one again. I mean, I, we got kind of trained for all those years with Tiger when he get, ever he got asked about being number one. He said, like, I just play well and everything else takes care of itself. But today's kind of younger players are pretty upfront by telling us, yeah, it is important to me. It's something that I want. It's something that I, if say I had and lost and went back again. And so, I mean, to me, that's an interesting storyline where I don't think it's just a media creation. I don't know how much it is on Brooks's side, but on on Rory's side, I definitely get a sense that there's a little bit of a rivalry there. I, I get a sense that he got pinged a little bit when Brooks said, "Well, uh, what is, he hasn't hasn't won a major in years, and I've won four. I, just, how much do you think is there? Well, I think there is. is it made all these guys are, are competitive, uh, Matt, and particularly the players that have been at the top. Uh, you know, for for quite some time, and certainly you have to put Rory there, and and obviously Brooks now over the last three or four years has been there. Dustin Johnson, uh, you know, and, and obviously Tiger, uh, trying to get back uh, to that point of of number one in the world, and certainly that was might have been something that certainly people and maybe even Tiger didn't think was possible uh, a few years ago, but uh, it certainly seems possible now. It's a competitive. Uh, a drive. I think it, it motivates these players. You know, we talk about all the time about winning major championships, but to be ranked number one in the world of all the professional golfers, that's pretty special too. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of another, uh, you know, it's another stripe on your sleeve. It's, uh, I think without question, uh, it's, it's harder now to maintain that, uh, because of the number of players there. And, you know, back in the day when Tiger was so dominant, there was, what was it? Further from Tiger to the guy that was ranked second than it was down to over a hundredth or something from second to a hundred. Yeah, yeah so, the gap was actually you know, massive. I think those days are. I'm not going to say we'll never see something like that again, but they seem pretty much over. So it's a competitive. You know, it, it, it's it's the competitive side of it that uh, is important to these players. They they want to be known as the best player. They they want to achieve that that goal, and I think it does. There's plenty of motivation there. The Tiger Woods is playing alongside. We were talking about the featured groups: Tiger, Justin Thomas, Steve Stricker. Which I can't. You know, I realize he's the he's the the host this week. That's a pretty darn friendly grouping <laughs> that he got right there. And for Tiger Woods, I guess just because it's Tiger playing 
from the broadcasts that you'll be doing, from the programs that I'll be hosting, from everything, Golf Channel, PGA Tour Radio, PGA Tour Live, whoever it is, Golf TV around the world, however you're consuming your golf and your PGA Tour, when Tiger plays, it kind of changes everything. And this, this one, because his, his foundation hosts, changes everything too. How big a week is it just because it's, it's Tiger again back out there, as you, as you were saying? Well, I don't think there's any question. I mean, uh, you throw in the fact Tiger's never won uh, at Riviera. Uh, it's close to his you know, hometown. But I think it's all the anticipation of possibly, or part of it, I shouldn't say all of it, but a lot of it is the anticipation, you know, will he get win 83? Will he become the all-time winningest uh, player in, in PGA Tour history? Uh, it almost seems inevitable, but uh, what a time to be able to do it uh, at an event that his foundation hosts. And... Uh, for him never to, uh, you know, have won there. Uh, I think that, that adds to it. with question. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to, con- we're going to see that continuing to go as, you know, he goes to Bay Hill, he goes to, uh, you know, TPC Sawgrass and the players and, and is it going to happen there? Is it going to be at the match play? Is it going to be at the masters? Uh, I think there's just that buildup, you know, once he, once he tied, uh, Sam Snead with the win at Zozo, uh, last fall, I mean, that anticipation, uh, is uh, how could you not, Get excited about that. Yeah, there's no. I, I agree with you. How, there, I don't think there is any way not to get excited about all of that. With what you're just saying about Tiger, uh, Mark Carnival, and what you were describing to us before when I said, what's it like to play Riviera at this level? Is there is there a way that you could answer the question if I say, well, how come Tiger hasn't won there before? W- what would you say? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to put a finger on it. Uh and, and I can't remember how many, I mean, for a while he didn't play there. I mean, obviously that's where he made his debut uh, to the world of golf as a, as a teenager. Um, it, it's hard to say. I don't, I don't know if it's, you, you, would, you, would, you certainly wouldn't think, well, it's internal pressure from, from Tiger because there's probably not a player that deals with pressure or has dealt with pressure, you know, other than maybe Jack Nicklaus uh, throughout his career. Um, I, I don't know. I think it probably... Uh, it, it's when when I remember, it seemed to be the putting at Riviera that that he seemed to struggle with sometimes. Um, uh, why that is, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it certainly he's familiar with the, the grasses on the West Coast, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things. I think uh, I can't put a specific answer uh, to your question on that, but uh, you would. You would think uh, percentages would have to catch up with them. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see how all of that plays itself out. You can see how all of that plays itself out on Golf Channel Thursday and Friday, tomorrow and Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Saturday, it's split between us and CBS at 1 and 3. Same on Sunday, split between us and CBS at 1 and 3. Thursday morning, NBC Sports Gold will distribute PGA Tour Live starting at 9.45 a.m. Carney, do you know what your air times are for PGA Tour Radio this week? I believe they are 12 to 6 p.m. Uh, on uh, Thursday, Friday. Uh, okay. I think uh, we're 1 to 6 or 6. I think we're 1 to 6 on Saturday and then uh, 1 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. All right, so noontime over the next couple of days, at least, for PGA Tour Radio, which can be heard throughout North America on Sirius XM. You can also hear them for free on the PGA Tour app and on PGA Tour. 
com. Mark Carnivale, always a pleasure, my friend, to catch up. You thank you for your time and your insights. Always, Matty. Anytime. You take care. All right. You too, sir. All right. So coming up, we have Tiger Woods uh, after this break. You're going to be able to hear all of Tiger Woods' press conference anytime you want as well on the Fairways of Life platforms. There's a lot more on there. You can go to the Fairways of Life app, which is good for whatever type of mobile device you use, as well as on Fairways of life.com but you're going to hear directly from tiger in just a moment i'm sure we'd love to hear from you guys in just a little while down the road we're working on putting together our listeners trip to the french lick resort for this year frenchlick.com is the website so you can check out how and why this place is as special as i keep telling you that it is and it is special two historic beautiful and very distinctive hotels they now have the, the brand-new tower that they built with the luxury suites uh, in the, those rooms represent. They've got the casino. They've got dining of the nth degree right down to having a pizza in their bowling alley. What suits you, your family, your buddy's trip, the great golf, all of it that goes together? FrenchLick.com to check it out. When we come back, Tiger. It's time for you to discover Stream Song, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link-style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dove, Bill Kaur, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. FootJoy, the number one outer brand in golf, ensures that you can make everyday playable with rain jackets for all weather conditions. New to the FJ Performance Outwear lineup this year is the all-new DryJoy Select LS, the lightest, most waterproof garment FJ has ever produced, setting the new standard in rainwear. Amazingly, it's actually lighter than a golf shirt, but still fully waterproof. You can shop now at FootJoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana and Golf Week's best you can play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's best you can play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. 
Hey, my new book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. Moments like this. The 1973 U.S. Open. Here's Johnny Miller. He got a letter also on Saturday morning and said, you're going to win the U.S. Open from some guy in Iowa. I never got a letter. that. That's all it was. He didn't sign it. Nothing. It was just from Iowa. You're going to win the U.S. Open. So it was sort of an interesting experiences that led up to that uh, winning that Open. Uh, and, and the round itself was sort of out of nowhere because it just was a, it was a perfect round of golf. I mean, it literally was a perfect round of golf. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Wednesday. Great show so far. A lot of content that we covered today. 11.41 a.m. will be the tea time for Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, and Steve Stricker. Tomorrow, what you're about to hear is Tiger addressing the media. And remember, it also exists as its own independent press conference show on the Fairways of Life platforms. But here is Tiger, unedited talking to the media about a variety of different subjects, all of which I think because it's Tiger Woods and otherwise, it's an interesting press conference from Tiger. Here you go. Yeah, just to have that elevated status to be part of um, the other uh, two iconic figures in, in the game of golf and Jack and Arnold, um, to have that type of association, it's, it's incredible for us. It's incredible for the event. Um, just to be alongside the, those two unbelievable um, heroes of my mind and to, to have an event uh, alongside theirs uh, it's only going to be something that's uh, as I said earlier it, it was it's incredible for me to have played in this event at 16 years old and now to have this event um, and have the status that we have uh, it's just so special and Tiger, to follow up on that, given this is the first year of your Invitational, and you've got nine of the top ten in the world, 19 of the top yeah. 25 in the world. Personally, what does that mean to you to have those world-class players come to your event? Well, it's, to have uh, an event like this, to have the, the players that, that come and support this, this tournament over the years, um, and to have it on this iconic layout with the history we've had here at Riviera, um, it just adds to the event to have the players support this. Um, it adds to our ability to help as many kids that we've had in, in the past and will continue to do. Uh, without the players' support um, and the, the top players playing in the event, obviously we wouldn't be able to fundraise and we wouldn't be able to help as many kids that we are uh, going forward. So to have those players come out and support this event uh, is huge for us. Okay, Mike, over here. Uh, Tiger, how do you see the discussion around the uh, distance insights uh, study evolving, and how would you like to see that discussion resolved? Well, I've I've always said that that the the game of golf you know is it, it's it's fluid, it's moving. Um, the the golf ball is certainly going a lot further than the old blotta days. Um, we've changed from using a tree to use using high tech metal. Uh, we've come a long way in, in this game, and it's been what's been crazy is that I've been a part of all that. Um, my career when I, I first started, I beat Davis Love in a playoff, and he was using a persimmon driver. Um, to see the technology advances as fast as it has, uh, the average distance was 
when I first came out on tour, if you could carry it you know, 270, um, it took a lot of trouble out of play. Uh, now guys are hitting their hybrids and five woods 270 in the air. So the, the game has, has evolved and has changed, and um, we're, you know, we're running out of property. You know, trying to design golf courses that are, you know, from the back 78,000, 7,800 to 8,000 yards. Um, it's, it's difficult. But on top of that, we want to keep the game so enjoyable, and we're trying to get more participation and having, you know, the larger heads, um, more forgiving clubs. It, it adds to the enjoyment of the game. So there's the, del- the very delicate you know, balancing act where we're trying to you know, keep the game at, um, but also as we've all recognized, the the players have changed over the years too. You know, when I first came out, it was just BJ and myself and in the gyms, and now it seems like everyone has their own trainer and physios, and uh, guys have gotten bigger, stronger, faster, and more athletic, and just like all sports. <clears throat> Two things just to follow up on that. Um, so can we put you down for bifurcation, or or do you still want to read the report and kind of think that through? Well, I think that that is certainly on discussion. It's on the table, uh, whether we bifurcate or not. It's, was it, it's only 1% of the guys that uh, or, or women that are going to be using that type of equipment. Um, but we want to keep the game enjoyable. We want to keep having more kids want to come play it. It's so difficult now i mean with everyone looking like they're, they're walking around with their head down because they can't get away from their mobile device <laughs> uh, to come out here and play a game that is historically more on the slow side um we, we want to have that type of enjoyment so yeah part of the discussion going forward is do we bifurcate or not and that's you know it's going to be probably you know, well after you know my career and my playing days that we will figure that out and uh, regarding this week, have you given thought to the kind of unbelievable storyline it would be if you were to win your 83rd title, <laughs> hear where it started? I mean, you know what it is. Is that something you've That's given some thought to? been mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> the symbiosis of this, this week. Yeah, to, to, to come here in, what, 92 and play, but to, to come here with my dad... Um, and my old pro, Rudy, who took me up here, and, and I remember watching, you know, Lanny Watkins um, play well here and, and win, um, seeing Corey Pavin and seeing Davis and Freddie go after it. Um, there's a lot of history for me being to, to come up here and, and play. I mean, this, this was the second professional event I ever went to besides, you know, San Diego, coming up here and, and watching the guys play. Um, it was the coolest thing. I, I don't know if I've, I've told the story, but... On number eight, um, I was over there, just happened to be going down, um, actually, on the 11T, and I heard that you know, Tom Watson was coming up. So I ran over to eight. Tom hit his ball to the back left pin, hit it left the green. And I'm basically the, one of the only ones over there. And Bruce was on the bag, and I'm standing kind of looking at the golf ball, and he comes over and says, move out of the way, kid. And he <laughs> pushes me out of the way. And so when I got in getting out on tour and I'm telling him this story, he says, well, you were in the way. Uh, so for me to, to have experiences like that here at, at RIV um, and to have now this being my, my event um, and hopefully that, you know, on Sunday that we'll be having this discussion a little bit more. Tiger, one more thing on the distance. Oh, here. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, one more thing on distance. This Riviera seems maybe as well as any other course to have withstood the test of time and the changes. I mean, without having to add five, six, seven hundred yards. What is it about this place that has allowed it to do that? You know, Ron, it, it has, but it hasn't. You know, we've lengthened, what, 12, redone eight. Um, they've, they've moved a few tees back. And, uh, yes, it, the alleyways are still the same. Um, but when they, they moved number 12 back, what, 70 yards, um, it used to be just a, a one iron and a wedge, and now you're hitting driver and a four iron. Um, yeah, there have been some holes that have been able, they're able to extend. Um, but for the most part, the confines are what they are here. And so where they've tried to add distance, they have, but there's really nowhere to go. Your game's evolved too, but sort of how much more suited are you to, so I guess, playing well here at Riviera now with your current game? How does that suit this place like it has be- hasn't before? And I guess what maybe held you back in the early days? Yeah, well, I have historically never really putted well here. Um, I've I've played here so many rounds, and uh, it, it suits a, a natural cutter of the golf ball. So I mean, figured that's what I have done pretty much my entire career. Um, but when it comes right down to it, I mean, you got to hit the ball well here, and because the greens are so small and they are so slopey. Um, but for some reason, everything kind of breaks towards six, and I still haven't quite figured that out. And so yesterday, when I was out there with, with Baba, he was giving me pretty good grief. But, <laughs> He's won here about three times, and I haven't. Tiger, <laughs> I think you're um, playing with JT for, I don't know, third straight year maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to see if you could speak to how much someone that young um, provided some encouragement for you during some during some health issues, uh, how that relationship came about, and do you have any, any kind of sense how bad he wants to beat you? Yeah, JT always wants to win. Um, he's... Highly motivated and extremely competitive, and we compete in everything we, we do together. Together, um, that's one of the things that I loved about him when I was um, I, I exited a game for a little bit, and he was kind of coming onto the scene. And um, he's so interested in, and thirsty for knowledge, and uh, we became you know really good friends. And uh, I got a chance to get to know him and Mike and, and Jenny really well, and. It's an amazing family, and you know, from there, our relationship has blossomed, and I carried his ass in, in Australia. Um, but uh, we've, we've had a great relationship, and we're going to be extremely competitive come you know, Thursday and Friday, and uh, to be paired up along with, with Strix is uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, well, the... the the only thing I could you know, basically do was, was chip and putt. Um, I really couldn't do much of that. Even even if I did that, uh, I really couldn't do much of that. So, uh, he, you know, Mike and and JT would come over, um, pick my brain. I'd show them how to hit shots if, if I could move you know, that particular day. And um, why would you hit certain shots? And well, why would you do it? And lo and behold, uh, he's winning golf tournaments. And to see him blossom and mature and... Uh, handle the responsibilities that he has out here and, and playing and still be able to win win events and win major championships. Uh, it's just really neat to, to see him blossom like that. Evan, then we'll come to the front. Tiger, with Ernie announcing that he wouldn't continue as captain, just wondering, uh, had you made your decision yet on what you do for 2021? Yeah, I, I talked to Ernie when we were boarding the airplane, um, leaving Melbourne, and 
uh, he was obviously devastated and uh, he put everything he had in, into that two-year window and, and tried to uh, change you know, the fortunes of the international team, rebranded the, the entire side and um, did some, some things that uh, has never been done before on either team. And he has set a standard that going forward that they have now have a, a plan going forward. And um, it, was, it was tough to see him you know, not want to be a part of it in, in that way. Uh, I'm struggling with the, the same issues because um, obviously there's, as an American, we have two cups that we're involved in, mm-hmm. um, not just every other year where the internationals are the European team. And so the responsibilities of um, an American a little, little bit more. Just time for a couple more. Right here. Since learning at the end of your round uh, at Torrey Pines, how have you processed the Kobe tragedy in the last couple of weeks? It's... it's I'm sure like a, a lot of people, it's, it's hard to put into words, you know, what, had, what transpired and the fact that it's a reality. Um, part of me thinks that it's, it's not real. Um, and finding out, you know, after you know, when Joey was telling me coming off the 18th green, that was, that was unbelievable. And I, I, I don't really know what I said, you know, you know post-round. Um, I was in shock just like everyone else and and trying to put it into into words going forward as I I think that we're all just the the reality of the situation is that it you know Kobe and Gigi are not here but it's hard to accept and the people who who are close to him and then on all all the families it's just hard to accept that reality. Tiger, I write on performance and injury. So my question is, which body movement causes you the most inconsistency in your swing? Bending, twisting, turning, moving. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, I'm all good. (laughs) Tiger, have you you personally been approached about that Premier Golf League concept? and, And what do you think of the whole idea? Have I been personally approached? Yes, and um, my my team's been aware of it, and we've delved into the details of it and trying to f- figure it all out, just like everyone else. Um, you know, we've been down this road before um, with World Golf Championships and other other events being started or other tours want to evolve and, and start. Um, there's a lot of information that we're still looking at, and whether it's a reality or not. Um, but I, just like everybody else, we're, we're we're looking into it. Why do you think something like that would even have a possibility? Is is there something not right out here that you'd like to see better? Well, I think that just like all all events, you're trying to get the the top players to play more collectively, and that's one of the reasons why you know we institute the World Golf Championships because we were only getting together what five times a year, the four majors and the players. And you want to showcase the top players on more than just those occasions. We came up with the World Golf Championships, and we're meeting more often. And so this is a natural evolution whether or not things like this are going to happen. But the ideas are like this are, are going to happen going forward, you know, whether it's now or any other time in the future. Tanger, obviously you want to win wherever you tee it up. Hmm. But in regards to your legacy... 
personally, how important is it for you to win this tournament here at Riviera? <laughs> well, like I was saying to Jeff, it would be nice to have this conversation on Sunday. Um, I, it's hard to, you know, I've, I've played in, in a number of events over the years, and for me not to win an event that uh, has meant so much to me in, in my hometown, um, I've done well in San Diego, but I've done well at Sherwood, just haven't done well here. And so uh, hopefully that I can put it together this week and uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a great conversation on Sunday. Target blind Doug, last question. I'm yeah. sorry, I might have missed this. Yeah. Are, you, are you playing next week in Mexico? I have not answered that. Okay. Are you playing next week in Mexico? I have not answered that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know yet. Don't know yet. Okay. All right, Tiger Woods addressed in the media. You can hear all of Tiger's press conference on the Fairways of Life platforms. It all gets underway tomorrow. A stout field. As I mentioned earlier in the program, some of the names, and this only represents some of those in this invitational field, includes Patrick Cantlay, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, J.B. Holmes, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Nick Taylor, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, and Tiger Woods. Ireland.com, when you get a chance to log on there, you can see how and why it is a place that has already obviously captured my heart. I'm so proud to be an ambassador for Ireland. And when you log on to Ireland.com, yeah, you can check out what I know is a bucket list for you to go there and play golf on these great golf courses, the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world. But there's so much that Ireland has to offer, and that's the cultural side as well. Take it all in. Breathe it in. Let Ireland come to you and get started at Ireland.com. You guys have a great Wednesday. Looking forward to being with you tomorrow and getting ready and getting underway with the Genesis Invitational. Great golf ahead. And it's not just that. It's across the spectrum of the game. We'll cover it all for you if we're spared tomorrow on the Fairways of Life show. Bye for now.